I got some controversial things to say about that. Um, and you know, last week we did this, and I left this up on the board uh, intentionally. We kind of talked about the moments when we're alone, right? Isolated, right? The disciples feel this. We talked about things that we're straining at in life, right? Struggling with, just kind of difficult things. We talked about things that maybe uh, have been scary or troubling for us. Uh, have us shaken, and then we talked about, you know, ways that we can be indifferent, oblivious, dull, blinded, um, and then at the center of all that stuff, right, at the center of all those things, those words from Jesus, which is, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, right? I don't know if that's been helpful for you this week, maybe just kind of repeating those things at some point. It has been for me, right? There's been times in those, this throughout this week where I've had to really remind myself of the words of Jesus and kind of say those words to myself in any of those moments, feeling alone, troubled, dull, afraid, any of those moments, just kind of having those words. Again, just hearing Jesus speak those words are so helpful. This week, you guys ready for some controversial things? Here we go. Let's get it started right. You guys know. I'm going to... I think they're probably just all landing right now, and we'll be all right. I think. I'll, I'll power through you guys. I'm not. I'm not one of those soft rock pastors that kind of show up on the coast. The coast. One, what is it? One hundred one point. One hundred three. I'm not a soft. I'm not a one hundred three point five pastor. I'm ready to go. I'm hardcore. I'm one hundred six point seven. The. The wave. Oh, ninety. <laughs> I am not a ninety four point seven. The wave pastor. I am for sure. Either one hundred five point nine. Power 106 or 106.7 K-Rock. Um, there we go. That's <laughs> okay, you guys know my disdain for Happy Friday. We all have talked about that. Um, I am also anti-emoji, by the way. I just want to let you know that. I feel that we are not cavemen drawing hieroglyphics in our cell phones anymore. We do not need to use emoji. My 13-year-old daughter, huh? What's that? It's it's an uphill. I, so I use different emojis for different reasons. But no, what I'm saying is, I think by the time you reach 30 years old, all emojis should be removed from your life. Like at 30 years old, you just stop using emoji. And you can even, like sometimes, sometimes I will even write the emoji that I'm thinking. Like, I will write to somebody, praise hands emoji times a thousand. Maybe I'll write that to somebody, but I will not use praise hands emoji. Wait, that's part, is it praise hands or is that high five? High five. Well, oh, praise hands is this, right? The praise hands is this. I am putting the right one in. Prayer, yeah. This is prayer hands. Thank you. That's prayers, but that's thank you, too. you type in thank you, that's See, this is why we don't need to use emojis. Just write out what you need, right? Also, another PSA announcement. I feel like this whole, when, when people put this, like, asking for a friend, like, this has got to stop. Like, if you're still using asking for, like, oh, yeah, asking for a friend, it's just like, yeah, we got to stop with that. Anybody still hanging on to that one, or am I just? Were you really asking for yourself? You're asking for yourself, but, like, hey, asking for a friend, is there going to be booze at the women's night? And you really want to know. You want to know. <laughs> Hey, asking for, you know what I mean? So that whole, that whole thing is just like, you're asking. 
Is there going to be high noon at the women's night asking for a friend? <laughs> what do you think about that, Isan? <laughs> you could probably feel it a couple of emojis. Okay, here's another one. This one's a little bit. I'm going to see. This one, I don't know how far down. I am, and here's what we'll talk about this morning. Fences around schools. Um, so I don't want to get like too into like the the whole business about this. Um, a couple years, I mean, I, uh, here's a picture of me and my girls. Uh, there was a time when I would ride all of them to school. And, um, you know, before Enders put up fences, uh, I could like kind of almost ride up to the classroom. And again, like if, if you're for it, I'm not like, I, I don't want to get like, again, too controversial on this, but um, you know, when she started, when Julia started school and the girls were there, I could like ride up to the classrooms. I could say hi to the teachers. I could interact with different staff. It, everything just felt more open at the campus, right? And then they put the fences around and pa- there's definitely separation between parents, students, staff. Um, there is, there is just kind of this, in, you know, environment of just like, and again, even like Rob and I have talked about this a little bit too, like now where parents are even allowed to stand when you pick up your kids, like here's the, here's the corral for parents. It just has gotten a little bit. Um, and I understand this, right? Like I think that the fences for a lot, for the most part, and I was actually like kind of going down a little bit of the rabbit hole of school fences. And I was reading papers like from the New Hampshire Department of Public Education of like why they do it and all sorts of things. I get it, right? Like, there's safety involved. Um, I think largely it was, was and is in response to school shootings, right? So you have, like, this kind of, again, like, this is going to be the barrier to at least hopefully prevent some of that. Um, but, uh, you know, for me growing up as a kid, the only fences we had around our school were cornfields. I'm not kidding. Like, cornfields were the fences that were kind of, you know, not literally, but our schools were just kind of surrounded by cornfields so we can maybe you know as I was thinking about this you know uh, I think I had this I thought it was on a slide Uh, I put that that you know school fences what they promise is safety right that's kind of the promise of school fences right we're protecting we're being you know keeping your kids safe uh, at the cost of exclusion right safety at the cost of exclusion now, again, this isn't dogma. This isn't like the way that it has to be. I am not even, you know, like this is just my observation. As I've kind of watched from before school fences to now school fences, my kids are safer, so to speak. But again, the exclusion that I feel, the separation that I feel, I think just the overall kind of um, separation between parent and school is, is far greater. Okay. Um, let's read the text because I want to use this, um, I want to use this kind of analogy, this metaphor for, uh, what's happening here in Mark 7, 1 through 23. And before I get into this, just so you guys can kind of, if you're on page 704, if you're reading from, here's kind of the general outline of this text. So you can kind of follow along because it's a little bit of a longer text. Okay. There is a confrontation with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law over the disciples' hand cleaning or lack thereof, right? Which is a tradition that they have, right? 
And then Jesus flips the criticism back onto the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he's going to use an example of a command of honoring parents, right? And then at the very end, Jesus is going to explain to the disciples, to the crowd, uh, this true, clean, and unclean, what really is clean and unclean. So that's kind of the outline as we read this. Let's start in Mark 7, 1 through 23. If somebody wants to start, we'll read in the round, and we'll go from there. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about your hypocrisies, um, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachers are merely human rules. You have, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the human tradition. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the, the, the parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomachs, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods Or, yeah, make, make them unclean, okay? So see how this, this passage works? Pharisees are going to confront Jesus, right, about the disciples not washing their hands, which is a tradition, okay? Jesus flips the criticism, and he says, well, you know, really, you guys don't honor your parents, which is a command. And then he kind of is explaining to them what's truly clean and unclean. Part of this comes out of Mark 6.56. We were talking about this last week where Jesus is 
actively in the marketplaces, right? Wherever he goes, into villages, towns, countryside, they're placing sick in the marketplaces. Jesus is healing them, right? The, that kind of whole begging him, uh, begging Jesus to let them touch the edge of his cloak, right? So they're doing ministry in the marketplace, right? And again, the Pharisees are looking at this and say, hey, you're not keeping to the tradition of the elders. Well, one of the things that, like, I, I don't think it clicked for me until about halfway through studying this is that, you know, what they're accusing Jesus of here is what's called a tradition, okay? Here's how traditions work. In the Old Testament, there were 613 Old Testament laws or commands, right? You have these Old Testament laws or commands. Jesus quotes one of them when he says, one of the commands is to honor your father and mother, right? So the command, right, where this tradition grows is that in Exodus 30, as the Lord is giving these commands to Moses, He's talking about how the priests, before they are to offer a food offering to God, right? Before they are presenting food offerings on the altar, you can kind of see bottom of the second paragraph. They're going to wash their hands, right? They're going to clean their hands. And this is a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for generations to come. So Aaron, the priestly tribe, is supposed to, before they go do a food offering, right, is supposed to wash and cleanse their hands, right? This command for, is for priests, again, all the time before to, to kind of wash and to clean before food offerings. Now, um, this evolves into, right, here's what happens. This is in Exodus. This is during the Exodus. God's giving them the commands. They're wandering through the wilderness over time as they settle into the promised land. Even post that, they go into exile, into Babylon, into Assyria, right? What do you do when there is no temple, right, to go to? Right? Which, when they were exiled in Babylon and Assyria, there was no temple for them to go to. Right? Um, one of the things that happens in exile, right, kind of that, you know, that say around 500 BC, 600 BC, kind of in that, in that range when the, the southern tribe and the northern tribe are exiled into Assyria, into Babylon, right? When there's no temple, the synagogue is kind of formed, right? Synagogue, this kind of home local kind of church, so to speak. But then it also evolves into, like, your home becomes a temple, right? And we talk about this, like, even as us as Christians, that like your home is a temple. The table that you, that you sit at, the table where you are eating the food that's been given to you, the prayers that come around that is an altar. Everyone so to speak, as a priest. We Christians have, have kind of copied that idea, right? We copy that where we talk about the priesthood of all believers, right? Everyone becomes a priest. As a matter of fact, this kind of idea that every table is an altar, I, I, at some point I, I stole this, but you know, it's kind of hard to see down here at the bottom, right? But we believe that when we gather together in the name of Jesus and we are eating a meal in so many different ways, that table, that food together is a very holy and sacred place, Right? We gather around, we thank the Lord for the food that's been given to us. We thank him for gathering us and bringing us together. And that table, in some sense, becomes a very sacred place. And this kind of comes from, from Judaism, right? So, if we were to think about this, the hand washing is a command of Exodus 30 before food offerings, right? That's a command that God gives to Moses for the priestly tribe of Aaron, right? 
uh, down the line, hundreds, years, centuries later, hand washing becomes a tradition, right? For everyone before food or before the consumption of meals, right? This, by the way, as, as we think about traditions, as you think about traditions, traditions that were something that was formed around a command to help interpret it, live it out, experience it, make it tangible, make it a good thing, right? A bit like a fence. So we could even use an example for us as Christians today, okay? One of the commands that God gives us is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second one is like this, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? What does that look like? How do we do that, right? So then we take we take that command, right? Let's just put God and others, right? Which is a command. How do we do that, right? And even us as Christians, we might have certain traditions that we kind of say, this is how we live this out. We go to church on Sunday. We tithe. We uh, serve our neighbors, we read the Bible. We sing along when Brian plays songs, right? So this is the command, and then we take these we, we have these traditions that kind of help make it tangible, that we experience it, that we live it out. These are good things, right? These are really good things. What we experience here with, um, with the teachers of the law, with the Pharisees, here's a couple quotes. Uh, that I'll, I'll, I'll kind of put up here. Um, the tradition of the elders, right, added commands to the law of God in an attempt to put a fence around it, right? People couldn't get near breaking the law. So the traditions that they used were actually putting a fence around it so people couldn't get near breaking it, right? And then Gamba says that, here's what's interesting too, right? Is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law might not have seen any distinction between God's commands revealed to Moses on Sinai and the traditions of the fathers or the elders they had elaborated on, right? So the Pharisees, the teachers of the law might have seen like, okay, so for us as Christians, sometimes we might see these things and be like, well, that is Christianity, Right? This is how you do things. This is the most important thing, right? So this is kind of what you're, you're seeing here, right? And, and what the Pharisees are doing is they're taking the commands of God, right? And they're in putting all these traditions around it, okay? They're putting all these traditions around it. And again, what they're doing using that kind of school fence, they're putting that fence around it. They're saying this is, this is how close... You can get to it. And the traditions that they're doing, again, promising safety. Nobody's going to break the commands, but at the cost of exclusion, right? One of the things that we see Jesus doing again and again throughout the gospel story is he's inverting the fences, right? So the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they kind of live in here with the commands. They built all these fences, you know, so nobody gets near the commands, Right? And here's Jesus on the other side, so to speak, of the fences, of the traditions, right? 
And he just says, well, if you're not going to like kind of let me get in here, right, because you build all these fences and all these traditions and all these little things, he's like, I'll just, I'll just do ministry kind of, again, using that school idea, right? It's like, if you're not going to let me on campus, okay, I don't need to go on campus. I'll just do ministry out here in the streets, right? I'll just minister to people wherever I see them, wherever I meet them. So when he's doing his greatest miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, Right? I don't know if you guys talked about, did they set up hand-washing stations out there on the hillside when Jesus is feeding those people? No, right? There's no hand, like there are people are like, oh man, we can't eat this miraculous uh, bread and fish because we haven't washed our hands, right? People are, just, people are just eating the food. When Jesus heals the sick in the marketplace, right? Again, people aren't like, oh man, you know, here we are, we're in the marketplace, we've got to wash our hands, right? The sick would technically be unclean. To be around them would make you unclean. Jesus is like, I'll, I'll take care of those people. I'll heal those people, right? Now, in the middle of this, you have this big discussion on what's clean and what's unclean, right? Jesus is talking about this. Next passage, Jesus is going to go to a, a village called Tyre, right? Uh, in Tyre, he's going to meet a Syrian Phoenician woman, which has like in neon bright blinking lights, unclean written all over it as Jesus meets her and heals her daughter, right? He's then going to go into the Decapolis, another unclean area, and he's going to heal a man who is deaf and mute. Anytime you see sickness in the, in the Bible, what has that person done? What's, what sin has they committed that they would end up deaf and mute, right? So again, when you think about this, you bracket this text about being clean and unclean, right? Being clean and unclean. You just realize that Jesus says, well, if you're going to make all these traditions that I can't get to, like, I can't even get to the presence of God, and you're making it so hard for people. Jesus is like, I'll just do ministry kind of like off the school campus, right? Now, here's what's funny. I don't know if it's funny or if it's serious. Here's how I then kind of using this analogy of schools and fences, um, I skipped one. I skipped two. Man, I went really far. Okay, here's where I want to go, right? So they're like, hey, we've got all these traditions. You know, we can't get in here. We've got the commands. I almost think of like, you know, when, when he uses that analogy of Moses' command, right? He's like, well, Moses wrote that, you know, to honor your father and mother. Anyone who curses father and mother must be put to death. But you... Um, but you say, and he use that gift, that idea of Corbin, right? Like you have this money set aside, your parents are really struggling, but you're like, well, I'm sorry, mom and dad, I'd really like to help you. But you know, this money is devoted for the Lord. You know what I mean? So I'll hold on to it while you're, you're really struggling, right? I, I think I was thinking about this again, using this analogy. It's like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are on the campus, like stealing the kids' lunch money. You know what I mean? Like, this is almost the, like, kind of using this school analogy, it's just like, Jesus, like, you think that you're protecting the children by building all these fences. Meanwhile, you're inside, on campus, like, going through the backpacks, stealing the children's lunch money, right? It's, and that's kind of the, the point that Jesus is making here, is like, you think that you're protecting the people by by putting all these traditions up. Meanwhile, you're stealing from the people. You're breaking the very commands. You're taking from the vulnerable. Those whom you're supposed to be helping are your own mother and father, right? So 
Jesus, again, as you bracket this text, as you think about him just saying, that's fine, you want to make these commands and you think that you're so pure and you're so right and you're so good and making all these fences, good luck. And by the way, while you're in there, to be honest, you're stealing people's money. I'll do ministry out here, right? This is kind of what Jesus is saying. Man, I really, can you guys see through just this giant mess of the whiteboard? Next time I will clean it before. Um, okay, I want to say a couple more minutes. We got to start talking about emojis and um, all that sort of stuff. But this fence mentality, I would say there's two errors and then, the, then there's the dead end, right? The two errors is like that when you start thinking like this, right? The, the problem with, I need to put, um, I need to put here the, the P for the Pharisees and the, and, and the teachers of the law, right? When you start thinking like this, you, the mentality is that everything needs a fence, you got to put fences around everything, right? Luke 11, one of the, one of the, when he gives the woes to the Pharisees, right? He also does this in Matthew 20, 23, 24, right? He gives them like these seven woes. He says, woe to you Pharisees. You are tithing, you're like putting fences, tithing on your mint and rue and on every on every herb, right? So um, imagine, you know, whatever you've, you've grown this, this, you have this mint plant and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, okay, it's time to tithe off this mint plant. Let me cut 10% off the, wow, did I get 10% or was that 11 or was it nine, right? And so the Pharisees built a whole fence around how much you tithe and what you tithe. And the, the problem here is that when, when you start thinking like the Pharisees, the little teach, uh, the teachers of the law, you think that everything needs a fence. So you start making rules and you start making all these safeties and all these precautions and all these traditions for every single thing. Everything needs a fence, right? Um, think about what we call the Christian life, right? Think about what we call the Christian life. And honestly, we do the same thing. The Christian, we, we build the same fences, don't we? It's, it's easy to kind of look at the Pharisees and teach the law. Well, you know, those guys, they, they just didn't get it, right? And we do the same thing. We have fences that we build around um, attending church, um, around the Eucharist, around prayer meetings, around raising hands or folding hands. Here's, here's a great example. I, I'll tell you this. This was from uh, my dad's church. Um, Here's, here's a fence making where this, this guy had an everything needs a fence mentality. Okay. He, um, I think for the most part, you know, women here dress pretty modestly. And I think that that's right. But my, my, this one guy in my dad's church decided that if a woman wasn't dressed modestly enough, right? Like maybe the V cut came a little too low, or maybe there was something off the shoulders or I don't even know. I don't even he, decide, <laughs> he decided that he was going to have giant white t-shirts and have a woman put on a giant white t-shirt. And he thought this was a good idea, and he brought it to my dad, and my dad's, I'm going to call him, um, I'm going to call him Frank. His name's not Frank, but I'm, I'm, his name's Travis. <laughs> if you're watching this, Travis, you're getting blasted by your past... And, and Travis thought that, like, this was a good idea. And my dad said to Travis, and Travis and I are actually the same age. We grew up in, in youth group together. Um, and my dad said, Travis, okay, you'll be the one to enforce that, that mandate. You think that it's so important that women 
have the right dress, you can stand at the sanctuary and you can tell women to put on giant white t-shirts, which how, many, how often do you think you did that? Never, you know what I mean? But that's the fence mentality, right? When you begin thinking about like all these traditions, right? And you kind of get boxed into this mentality, it can very easily lead down to the road where it's just like, mm, you know, Johnny, we don't like Halloween stuff here. We're going to put on a giant white t-shirt for you because, you know, and, and that's where, again, this is the mentality that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law have, you know, entered into. The other idea here is that everyone becomes a fence builder. Your primary job in the Christian life is to build fences, right? And not to say that, that nothing needs a fence. We do need people within the Christian community to just say, hey, like this is appropriate behavior. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. But again, with, um, got a little interrupt. Um, if Paul does this, right? The apostle Paul does this. He says, when you guys come together for the Lord's Supper and you're eating and, you know, as you're eating, some people just decide like you're having this, this kind of communal meal, taking the Lord's Supper and people are just like getting, kind of getting drunk right? And people are hungry. And Paul says, we can't do this stuff, right? And so Paul does build a fence around this. There is potential areas where we need to build fences. But the idea, the, the kind of dead end idea is like everybody ends up being a fence builder. And then what happens is you eventually turn the guns on each other, don't you? Right? You eventually say, well, your fence isn't good enough. Well, your fence isn't tall enough. Well, your tradition is not good enough. Well, you don't do it the right way. Well, we do it the right way. Well, that's not how it is. And eventually the guns get turned on each other, right? And that's what causes church splits. That's what causes separation. That's why people give up on the church, right? So this kind of whole fence building idea, which is what the, the, what the, what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are doing over to the traditions. You know, they're like, well, we got to do fences on mint, cumin, we got to do fences on hand washing. This is how we do that. Everybody then becomes a fence builder. And then eventually you, turn, you fence yourself in and you turn the guns on one another. Okay. Christian similarities. I got two of them, three of them. I got three of them. And then I got one last quote. We have some similarities to what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We have a similar oral tradition that fills our gaps, Right. Again, when Jesus gives us this command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, imagine that I said, well, hey, listen, this is how we're going to do this. And this is, this is the real rules of the church here, right? You are going to tie, I'm going to look at your weekend paycheck stub and I want to see 10% in that box. Gross, not net, gross, right? And I like started like doing that, right? Like, this is how we love the Lord your God, right? And on top of that, you will memorize two Bible verses per week, right? And we just got like, uh, I don't know. When Brian sings his song, you will stand up and you will raise your hands. I want to see tears coming down your eyes right here. I want to just see, right? Like, you know, again, we're using these silly examples, but we do, we do have like these traditions that we keep, you know, and they're helpful for us right? It can be helpful, but we have to be very careful on how we hold those traditions, right? We have, Christians have a very similar oral tradition that fills in our gaps of, of what we, how we kind of live out the Christian life. The second thing is, 
uh, Christians can stress practice or doctrine over and against others. This is the classic, we need enemies to make ourselves feel right, right? Well, you know, us church, we do things the right way here. You know, we, we are serving four times a year. We are, we are getting out there in the neighborhood. No other church does that. We do that. And we meet in homes too. And we use real wine in the communion because that's what Jesus would have used was real wine. That's how, you know what I mean? And so you can, churches, and churches, again, we're being silly and a little bit, but churches do this on certain stuff, right? Like, like you have this practice, you have this doctrine, and you stress it over and against others. And because you now have this enemy, now you feel right in your soul. The last thing I will say this too, inappropriate concern for details, right? Um, again, Eucharist has to be wine. Baptism, there's some churches that you have to be baptized within the church to baptize at an ocean or in someone's swimming pool. Lord, no, that's not a real baptism. Like that would not count if you were baptized. You know what I mean? Um, the leadership structure has to be defined as according to the Bible. You have to have the elders and you have to have the deacons and you have to have the lay people. You know what I mean? It's just like, right? And there's that inappropriate concern for details. So we have similar traditions that, that Christians face. I don't, I don't know if any of those are, I think that those all apply to us. How they apply to us would be, another part of this conversation. Okay, last quote, because I know I'm running out of time. This is a long one too. I, I, I shared this last week. This has, was like one of the things I read this week that I almost fell out of my seat reading because it's so important for us to think here. I, got, I and we get really distracted and kind of, we turn a, a big, we turn the spotlight on the Pharisees like, oh, look at those guys and what they're doing. And they're, their traditions and their co- confrontation with Jesus, right? And Gombas has made this point a couple times in his commentary, and I'll probably come back to it as we go through this book, but listen to this, this comment. I, I talked about a little bit about this last week. He says that the disciples have been gradually failing to recognize Jesus's identity and grasp at what he is saying, right? This is the part where he gets to, are you so dull, right? Which could be some of your life first. Right? That could be your life first. Are you so dull? Um, that was supposed to be a joke. Nobody in this room, it, like that's your life first, that you're dull. The disciples have been gradually failing to recognize Jesus' identity and grasp what he's saying. They responded to Jesus with sarcasm when he exhorted them to feed the crowd, right? Jesus, like where in this remote place are we going to get enough bread to feed these people? That would take eight months of years. Are we going to go spend that much in, on bread, Right? So in chapter 6, right, their sarcasm. And in the previous episode, their understanding has diminished and their hearts have been hardened. Remember when Jesus gets into the boat with him? They didn't understand about the fish and the loaves. Their hearts were hardened, right? So there's sarcasm. There's a hardness of heart. Gamba says this, as we have noted previously, Mark develops this dynamic to confront his audiences, us, right now, as we study the book of Mark. We are the audience here, right? with the question of whether they are faithfully paying close attention to Jesus so that they truly understand his identity and the nature of his kingdom. After all, the disciples' nearness to Jesus has not always resulted in good fruit. Without humility and cultivated hearts that are receptive to the truth of the cross-shaped kingdom and the cross-directed Jesus, 
audiences will manifest increasingly dull hearts and minds and their understanding will diminish. I think what, got, what was really challenging to me is as we kind of look at this book and study this book, it's easy to shine the light on the, on the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, that spotlight and saying, look at those guys, traditions, fence builders, you know, they're guys. And what, what Gombas is saying that one of the things Mark is doing, right, is he's developing a dynamic within his book, the sarcasm, the hardness of heart, Jesus saying, are you so dull? He's going to confront Peter and call him Satan, right? The disciples are going to come to him and say, hey, Jesus, give us spots at your right and your left hand when you come to your kingdom. And he's developing a dynamic to confront his, the audience, whoever happens to be reading his book. Right now it's us, right? With the question of whether we are paying, uh, faithfully paying close attention to Jesus, right? so that we truly understand the, his identity and the nature of his kingdom. It's a real challenge for us, right? Because again, it's easy to look at these guys. They're, they're, the kind of, they're the kind of villains in the story and kind of gloss over the hardness, the dullness, um, the insensitivity that's in our hearts. Make sense? All right. A couple questions. Uh, praise, pushback, and problems. What fences do you maybe see in modern Christianity? How do you resonate with the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, or the disciples, right? Um, which Christian similarity? Uh, we have that kind of, again, this developed oral tradition, that us versus them mentality, that detail obsession. Do you think is most problematic and why? And what about this last quote? And if you need me to go back to this last quote, I can. What about this last quote stands out to you? Um, if, if you wanted to share something about that. So I, I know we're kind of pressing up against the time. Take maybe a minute or two and, and fire back a question to somebody next to you, and then we'll, we'll do a quick discussion.